let's take a moment and dive into the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence. God the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, here in our midst. Holy Spirit is comforter. Holy Spirit is the paraclete, the one that comes alongside. You're the helper, the teacher. And we rely upon you now that you would come and descend upon your people corporately here today. I humble myself before you, and I recognize that in myself I have nothing good to say, but through your power, I would declare the mysteries of God today. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. We're going to just jump in. I'm going to just cover a little bit on uh, some of the stuff that I've shared uh, last week by way of recap. Second week on spiritual gifts, desiring, desiring. I want to kind of focus on that. And the reason I want to talk a little bit more about desiring spiritual gifts is that there are forces that are out there and forces within that keep you from stepping out in your gift. And we'll touch on that in a moment. But spiritual gift series, um, I call them the seven innate motivational gifts. And really based on Romans 12, we'll pull that up in a, in a moment. Um, Romans 12 gifts, the innate means they're inherent or existing in a person from birth. So these are gifts that God gives to all people. Uh, my text is Ephesians 4.8. Ephesians 4.8, when Jesus ascended on high, he led captivity captive. He gave gifts. Some shall gifts to unto men, to his people. Uh, Romans 12, 6 through 8. Romans 12 says, since we have these gifts that differ according to the grace, somebody shall grace. So the gift is a grace. It's an ability given to us, each of us, and we are to use them accordingly. I'll talk about that later. If someone has the gift of prophecy, let him speak a message from God to his people in proportion to the faith possessed of service in the act of serving, or he who teaches in the act of teaching, who encourages in the act of encouragement. How many know we need these today? I mean, you turn the news on, I mean, Tucker Carlson leaving, people are in uproar. Come on, somebody. You know, it's just like, what's going on? And, and you know, you think the, the evil is surmounting. We need these gifts in operation in the church, but in the marketplace, where you work, the people that encourage people, be that encouragement. So the act of encouragement, he who gives with generosity, who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy and caring for others with cheerfulness. Amen. So, we said this, that, uh, uh, that all humans are born with one or more of these gifts. And I'm going to repeat that because I, I actually believe that. It isn't just a believer that that little baby that you're carrying has a gift. But, the, but that child can grow up in such a way where he can understand, develop, and grow and use those gifts to bless the kingdom of God and bless people or use it selfishly for themselves and, and for even evil purposes. All right? But it's still a gift. It's still a gift. And so, 1 Peter 4.10, 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. We'll go back to that word serve in a moment. But this actually, the word gift in the Greek is charisma. It means the operation of grace, divine uh, gratuity. It means even deliverance, deliverance from danger. And so, the gift is a grace that God imparts to you, that he'll never take that from you. That's your gift. So you can, you can bury that treasure in, in, in your whole life. I was afraid. 
I was afraid to step out. I was afraid. I don't know. It just seemed a little. So I bury that. Or you can make it profitable by blessing others and allow it to flow in your life. Amen? So from his great variety of spiritual gifts to use them to serve one another, it means employing it and serving. It actually means I wait at a table. It actually has the connotation of a slave that waits on a guest. I've traveled to many countries, and I've been to certain places that I did not like how they treated people. And especially even, it was one place I was in, a certain country, and how they were just derogative towards those guests that served, but they were treating them almost like a slave, and they kind of, they were resistant, and they wouldn't come take your order, and so they were actually hollering at the server. <laughs> I was like, this is not right. But in the, in, in the Greek, it actually means that our posture should be one, we are here to serve. We, we, are, we are here to serve. It's not about me. It's about, God, how can you be glorified through my life? Amen? And so, so to serve one another, serve one another. You know, so many people are unhappy today. They're, they're, they're very sad. They're fearful. Many people are terrorized. They are terrorized of the future. Because if you constantly hear negativity, fear, it's all going down, everything is lost. Listen, friends, I'm 58 years old. This September I'll be 59. I've heard doom and gloom my whole life, but God still moves. I said, God still moves. Wars come, wars go. I mean, famines come, famines go. Pestilence come, pestilence go. But God will still be faithful in the midst. And he will take care of you if you draw near to him. Can you say amen? But so many people are unhappy. And I think the reason so many people are struggling with happiness, the reason you're not happy is because you try to find it on your own. You, try, you, you seek it on your own. It's like I want to, some people, their whole goal is I just want to be happy. So what do they do? They go move to the places, the most comfortable climate, the most beautiful spot. Come on, somebody. I know. And then everything is built around my happiness. I don't want any trouble with people. I don't want, I want to be off the grid. I want to, you know, whatever it is. And, it's, and you find out I am not happy. I'm not happy. Why? Always trying to find ways to make yourself happy, and it's fleeting. Here's the thing. The key to happiness is go find someone to serve and do something that adds value to their life. Then you'll be happy. <laughs> so if you feel like, I'm just unhappy, I'm so unhappy, begin to serve someone else. Begin to go find a need. Say, who in here has a need? Who in here in the house of God? I can promise you, happiness will show up in your life. People that serve back in the children's area, there may be crumbs and cookies or whatever, and it's all over. And, uh, you know, Rhonda Bolt is there. She takes the vacuum, and she vacuums. Well, I guarantee you that woman's happy. <laughs> Why? You're serving. It doesn't matter. You're there. You're pouring out. If you're filling the communion cup, it's like Patty and those that help, and you're filling that to serve the church of God, it, there's a grace. There's a joy that's everlasting with that. Those are just small things. What if there's someone you see that's a student or a single mom and she got baloney skins for tires? Hey, maybe we should pay for tires for your, and just serve. That's what I mean by, you, you think of others. If you're not happy, begin to serve others. I can promise you happiness will be, there'll be a new skip, skip in your step. Anyhow, moving right along. So Romans 12 Romans 12, these are these gifts. Lord willing, next week we'll, we'll, we'll get into them. Uh, prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving leadership, mercy, 
And so we said that it's possible that we can grow in, in other ministry gifts as, as we develop in, and grow in this. Uh, uh, there's actually uh, the five-fold ministry gifts too uh, in Ephesians 4. Uh, there's uh, 1 Corinthians 12 gifts, the nine gifts of the Spirit. But these are gifts that I believe that God gives to every human being. Some of you have two, three of these. Some of you have more. Some of you feel, I just have one of those. Regardless, you have a gift. Every human being has a gift, and, and I believe that. And so during a period of with discipleship and training and growing in your character, uh, you can function in your gift and, and flow in that, and then do the same to raise up others, to bless others, to empower other people. How many see that say amen? You know, my dad had a, a church, and he really ministered to a lot of Catholics. The Catholics just loved him. For some reason, they would come out, and he started a, a church in Bridgewater, Mass., and that went in for a period of time. And so as a teenager, and we were always kind of like, you know, I ain't, you know, I'm going to church. And, well, we had to bring the equipment in, especially my younger brothers. When I got into the Marine Corps, they'd have to set up all the equipment, and they were, they were all mad. They were all, they were all furious. And I remember my dad preaching one time. He was in Stoughton, Mass., and, I'm in the back, and he's mad, and then he's calling me out, you know, because his son is mad, and boy, I was furious. I was furious, but he would always have some guest speaker or whatever, and some guy would come in, and what did they do? They would single me out and go, that boy has to preach on him. Boy, I'd be even more mad. No, I don't. No, I don't, you know, and, and that guy's called. I see him overseas preaching like, these people are nuts. God knows your future. <laughs> And he knows the gifts and calls in your life. And so that'll happen. That's why it's so important. Have your kids in church. In special meetings. We don't do these to waste your time. We do these things for impartation. That you can have your kids imparted. Just think of something to your son or your daughter that's imparted. Change the whole trajectory of their life. Being in a meeting. God spoke. He became real to me. I've seen little kids crying, weeping under the presence of the Lord. That's why we do the things. Don't miss. Don't miss God's moment. Amen. And we know that, that the grace and the gifts are not about us, right? They're about the, the Lord working in our life. 1 Corinthians 4, uh, uh, 7 talks about gifts and being, not being prideful. He says, why are you so puffed up about? Why do you have that? You know, what do you have that God hasn't given you? Nothing, all right? If all you have is from God, why act as though you are so great, and as though you have accomplished something on your own? So we know that humility actually... Uh, 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 it's freedom from pride is actually what that means. It, it's the Latin word humilius. It means low, low. And the Bible says, with humility comes wisdom. Let's say that again. With humility comes wisdom. I don't know about you. I need God's wisdom. I need God's wisdom. So I want to walk around like a fathead. Amen? All right? We need, we need the wisdom of God. And so here's the thing. <clears throat> I thought this was interesting. Your influence will never grow wider than your character runs deep. So when we're talking about the gifts and flowing in the gifts, the problem comes with some people is when their influence has grown to outsize your character, and what happens is there's an implosion, and we see that all, and we read statistics, and we go, oh my goodness, how did that happen? You know what? Because their character didn't keep up the influence that they got. So there's a collapse, there's a breakdown, and, and I've met people, sadly, who didn't have the strength of char character that was proportionate to the amount of influence they had, and so, so that was bad. They're, you call it, they were like a loose cannon. Uh, um, <clears throat> I, I can just, uh, uh, I, I've been at a number of conferences and you hear, you know, some, some of these famous preachers that kind of 
derailed and crashed and burned. And, and then in the moment, you just think, wow, it seems like they have the world by the hand. And the next thing you know, they're going off a cliff. And their character did not keep up with it. And uh, I remember a situation, especially talking about the gifts and the prophetic, uh, many years ago, this was back in 1995, I was serving at a church and they had a guest speaker come in and just greatly impacted my life. Uh, this greatly impacted my life. And uh, as I first started, and he had some words, that, and they were brought healing in my life. But uh, and then I got involved more with the prophetic and began to understand the flow. And really, that, that was actually one of the spiritual gifts and actually the call. Uh, I don't claim a title. I don't have a business card that says prophet on it, but to operate in the office of a prophet and as a seer. And I was new in all this. I was new, and so I was kind of, you know, you know, had training wheels on. How many know what I mean? You, you, you got to start somewhere, right? You're not perfect when you do it, right? Uh, you know, there's a, there's a finesse. There's a growing. There's a falling down and getting back up. Amen? And so, and so this, this guy came through, and then a few years later he came, and I was doing 10 days of meetings, whatever, and I just sensed there's something not right. And so I met with them, and I was working out with them, and, and uh, he, he, he was Australian. He was from Australia, had a real tattered past, and, and I really respected him, but something wasn't right inside, and I began to talk, and I began to ask about family situations, whatever, just discreetly, and, and then he said, well, let's go, and he kind of just brushed that past, and then I talked to another minister about it. I said, something's not right. Something's not right. And he's like, ah, prophet. Kind of mocked me. And I was like, well, okay. I was doing, dealing with some youth and had a youth trip a few months later. And so this pastor calls. He goes, you're not going to believe it. Prophet. And I'm like, what? And he goes, everything you told me, there's some things specifically I felt that happened, came to pass. It all came out in the open. I was so humble. I was grieved for one thing. But I was humble. But I know that's like, Okay, what was that? How could I in a situation see something that no, no, nobody divulged? It's like, and exactly what I saw came up to pass, or came out, or was exposed, I should say. See, you got to understand, the gifts are there to help you in the body of Christ, but it's also there, you know, to protect you and to, and, and to divert you from, uh, you know, foolish things. Amen? And so... So we, we, my whole point is, is that as we operate in the gifts of the Spirit, the foundation is a strong personal character. I mean, people that get famous overnight, that's not a good thing. And so someone once said, don't be concerned about the width of your reach. Be more concerned about the depth of your impact. I thought, hmm, yeah, there's truth. And so as the whole, we, we allow the Holy Spirit to build a strong character in our life that's having, being submitted, being in contact with other men for men, women for women, being submitted, I, I really believe a large part of that is, and I say this with humility, is being submitted into a local church body, plugged in. You're not one of those floating Jesus followers. Well, what church you go to? I go to all churches. I, I flow to, come on, uh, some of you don't like that, but I'm going to still say it. You know, just I float, I dash in and here and there. Well, where is your local church? I don't have a local church. Jesus is my local church. No, you just have an a, a, a unsubmitted spirit. <laughs> You got a renegade spirit. You want to do your own thing. And there is some things about spiritual covering. Amen. It's a, that didn't go over good. I went like a lead balloon. All right. Moving right along. <laughs> Anyhow, <clears throat> so the purpose of spiritual gifts, helping other pe people succeed and succeed in life, and, and, and you find joy from that at harvest. 
part of the equipping process, we try to help, really try to help people figure out, I said this last week, what problem they are uniquely designed to solve. In other words, what is, what is God's divine design for your life, your humanity? And I said this, that people ask the wrong question, like, well, what's my purpose? I think the better question is, who can I serve? Who can I serve? And because the sooner you get a clear picture on who you can serve, the sooner you're going to find purpose. And why is that? Because our lives, watch this, have meaning in the context of other people. Did you get that? You're not an island to yourself. Well, I'm just going to be, I remember there was, old, there was a story that I used to, a TV program I used to really enjoy called Grizzly Adams. Come on, he was a bearded guy. He lived in Alaska somewhere. I don't know where he lived, but he was all by himself, and he had a bear that was a pet bear, and like, it was a while, but Grizzly Adams lived alone. Don't need nobody. Don't need nobody. That is not scriptural. Preach, Pastor Mike. I believe I will. <laughs> I said this last week, but I think it bears repeating. You are most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were. What does that mean? I talked about the wounds in my life and how God will use your pain and, uh, as a process to help you and catapult you in your destiny. So whatever the enemy meant for evil, watch this, what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn that around for good and allow you to be a blessing for someone else. All right? I'm not saying that he was a part of that, that he orchestrated that, but how many know we live in a broken world? It's broken. It, 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 it broke from the beginning in the garden. But Jesus Christ came to redeem, to turn the curse around. Amen? And we are God's enforcers of that. You are God's enforcers. So whatever obstacle you have to overcome, what challenge have you conquered, what setback that you have survived, you can speak powerfully into that. Why? Because you just don't know. He said, that was an embarrassing thing. That was just so embarrassing that it happened to me. I can't let anyone ever know whatever. You don't know that there are probably dozens of people sitting in that audience that are just thinking, I, I need an answer. They are crying. I, I, it, who has been through? How can I survive? And someone steps up and said, I've been through that. They perk up. They stand like, you got to be kidding. How did you do it? But God, he helped you through that. Amen? So these are powerful things. <clears throat> Allow the Holy Spirit to take that brokenness from your past. Step out in faith. And, uh, you know, and that person, they'll get you. They, they understand you because, you know, they're, they're, they're you, really, or, or an older version of you, not an age-wise. It just means that they're an earlier version of you, at least in that relative journey. They're earlier on whatever journey you have been on. So, so continuing on, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, our text, but earnestly desire, some shall earnestly, and strive for the greater gifts if acquiring them is going to be your goal. I think that's an interesting uh, point right there. If that's your goal, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, and some interpret that the gifts that are needed at that time. If you need someone that needs a healing, uh, you know, yeah, you, they may be able to pray for faith, but also we pray, Lord, let, we need a healing in this situation. We need a, a miracle, or we need a word of wisdom in this situation. Whatever gifts are needed in that moment. How many see that? Say amen. That's what they're there for but earnestly desire that. And these gifts enable believers to, to do the work of the ministry. Let me just give you a few examples based on, on uh, Romans 12. If you may possess the motivational gift of prophecy, uh, there is the potential 
that God has maybe called you to be a prophet or a prophetess. And those are biblical. That's in the scripture. They have not been done away with. Throw that out there. And if some preacher tells you, well, you know, uh, tongues will cease. Well, it also says knowledge will cease. Do we still have knowledge today? Well, then that means tongues. Okay, come on, somebody. They have not been done away with. <clears throat> and, and, and it doesn't mean, you know, you're a prophet or prophetess because you went in and made up 500 business cards that say you're a prophet. No. All right. Uh, if you were born with a gift of teaching, you have the potential to become a, you know, Bible teacher. And then even maybe in secular, you know that you have a grace and a calling in that. Uh, and or within the church, if it's a gift of leadership, uh, there's callings of a, an apostle. Once again, not printing a business card saying that you're an apostle. I remember when it's down in South Carolina, uh, in North Carolina Station, Camp Lejeune, and I was involved in a church, and this guy hands me his business card, and it said, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and worldwide international. I'm like, my goodness. <laughs> Where's your church? Well, I don't have one yet. All right. Okay, what have you built? Nothing yet. Uh, <clears throat> maybe he had faith. I don't know, but that's not what we're talking about. I think in a great example, and some of you know this, was Peter Mel. Peter Mel passed away in, in 2017, and it was a dear friend of mine, and we did numerous mission trips to Russia and Ukraine, and then he went to Sri Lanka and, and other, other ministry times. Uh, uh, it was some of the best ministry in my life. It was the most adverse. There was times we had no water. We had to boil water. Was, I didn't have to take a shower for four days. If you know me, that's a crisis. Sometimes I take two showers a day. My wife's always mad. You got so much laundry. I'm like, I know. But <clears throat> anyhow, point is, is that uh, we went through some of the most adverse things in the, the, the late 90s, uh, early and late 90s there in Russia and Ukraine. But I wouldn't trade that for anything. But, you know, Pete, he was a businessman in Fargo, and he had an asbestos-removing company, and he was doing well. His brother was involved with them, but he felt this call of God because a guest speaker came to the church in Fargo First Assembly. So powerfully impacted his life, Pete just said, that's it. I, I've had this, you know, he started a business. He had a couple businesses he started, but this apostolic grace was on him. It means sent one. And so he sold everything, you know, gave the business to his brother, and he went to Moscow. Okay, watch this. And he, and, he, and he went to preach the gospel. I said, Pete, how did you start? He said, I just passed out tracks in the street corner. That's how we started. And he built a massive ministry over there. We've been to every single prison. I've been in some of those prisons, preached in Bible schools, uh, correspondence Bible schools, evangelistic crusades, numerous crusades. I've preached throughout all that whole country in Ukraine, uh, uh, down in, all the way down to Ismail and the Danube River doing water baptisms. And, and it was just amazing. And you could just see that gift flourish. You could just look and go, wow, what amazing call of God. And, and it wasn't that he was sent by a mission organization. Uh, you know, it's like, well, you're a missionary. And I'm not against those, but he wasn't sent by that. He just wouldn't did it. He just felt, he felt. But he was sent forth from his church. Let me just say that. The church blessed him and they supported him and, and sent him, and it was just, there were, I'm told, thousands and thousands of people in the kingdom of God and churches today that are, their ministry is going on because of his life. And so I just think about that gift of leadership, maybe the gifts of exhortation, teaching, those called to be an evangelist or a, a pastor, a teacher, uh, there's service, there's mercy. And uh, so taking the 
that motivational gift, whatever it may be, and possibly it could be turned into a ministry office, but it first takes desire. Somebody show desire. Desire. It's desire. Desire. And it takes discipline. Desire in discipline, vision, training, discipleship. Uh, that that J- Jesus' goal is that every Christian be raised up into some type of ministry. That's the goal of the heart of God. Every one of you raise up some. What are you saying? We're all called to the five. No, 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 no. The business that you have, how many of you know that you can show mercy? <laughs> you can show, you can speak a word. You can bless someone right there in the marketplace. You can be a light in the marketplace. We're not witnesses just because we come to church on a Sunday. Amen. It's when we're out in the field, the mission field, we're out there, all right? This is a place we're trained and we're equipped and, and, and should be empowered in the kingdom, the works of the kingdom. So, but when I think about that, uh, about discipline, someone once said the drive in your life comes from vision, not necessarily discipline. And I thought about that. I thought, okay, where did that come from? I had somebody that a number of years ago called me, and they were close to me, but they were just very exasperated. They were crying on the phone, and they were saying, how did you do it? What was it when you were younger that made you not go out and sleep around, go out and party, and go out and be a drunkard, or go, you know, you know take illegal drugs? And What was it? And they were just, it was just sincere. It was like, what was it? And I began to think in the moment. I said, you know, it wasn't because I had this, you know, oh, I'm not going to do that. I had a vision. It was simply this. You ready? This, this is the thing that kept me. Someday I felt I would speak to youth. And if I want to powerfully speak to them and say, listen, you guys can live pure and you can marry a virtuous woman. You can do it. I wanted to be that guy to be able to say that in strength. That was it. That was it. And it wasn't that I had this major, I didn't see this church. Remember, I didn't want a pastor, Okay. That was the last thing I wanted to do. But it was this vision inside me to saying, how can I powerfully speak to kids if I didn't know? It, that's no condemnation of those that God has brought you through. Come on, somebody, amen. There's powerful messages on that. But what about just being obedient and doing it? And I, for me, personally, I just felt, I just, I don't want to get up there. And I don't want to, hear me, be a hypocrite. This is how I thought. Okay, just me. Okay, forget I, I don't want to be, I want to be able to say, you can do it. There'll be a power behind that. That you can't, why? Because God brought me through. And that was it. I had a vision. That was it. A simple vision. It wasn't discipline, it was, it was vision. <clears throat> Someone said, the amount of your endurance is directly proportional to the clarity of your vision. I thought, mm-hmm. And so most people are not struggling, per se, from a lack of discipline, but a lack of vision. They don't have a vision for their life. <clears throat> they don't have a crystal clear picture of what you want for your life and your future. Why? Because with a, with a, a clear vision for your life, there's going to be naturally going to be a strong connection, watch this, to how the sacrifice of, sacrifice, excuse me, I'm asking myself to make today forward me towards that future because I'm making a sacrifice today. So a clear vision creates this context for action to take place. And what does that mean? That means I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it. Uh, in a real carnal, natural illustration, if I could share this, give me grace. But as a kid, skinny kid at 
15 years old, I wanted to be a pro bodybuilder. And I wanted to own a string of gyms. And, and I wanted to compete. That was, that was something in my mind. And uh, uh, people have this with playing instruments. They discipline themselves in sports, education, in, in the workplace, and in their business. They, they do it with excellence. But for me, as a 15-year-old skinny kid, I started weightlifting three hours a day. Someone's like, what? What would possess a kid to do that? I had a vision. I had, and that's it. I saw the old magazines. You remember that? Remember magazines back then? <laughs> and it was the old Muscle and Fitness, and Arnold was on them, and Lee Haney was in some of them, and Doreen Yates, and, you know, some of these guys. I was thinking, I would read them. And then I actually had the audacity one time. It was a black and white magazine, and I called the number, and I think I got Venice and Beach, California. And God had mercy on my soul. Because I was this skinny kid training, and I was just telling him I was training so hard and, and all this. And this guy answered the phone, and he actually, I don't know who he was. He caught up in a gym rat. I don't know. And he goes, yeah, what's up? And I was like, I've been training real hard, and, 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 and my bench has increased, and this and that. He goes, real good job. That's really good at age 15. Keep it up. He was so encouraging to me. I'm that phone up and went, that's what I want to do. What am I trying to say? It's just, it's simple, it's simple. That drive comes when you have a clear vision. If you have no vision for your life, there's no reason to do anything to get you up in the morning to get, come on somebody, amen? A crystal clear picture. You know, if I said that there's a social media challenge out there to do 500 sit-ups a day for 30 days and then you get $5,000, some of you would do it. <laughs> Thank you for the one, 500 sit-ups a day for 30 days? What would possess you to do that and, and, and document that? The $5,000, amen? It's a vision, a vision. <clears throat> Why? The drive comes from the vision, the clarity. So it's not that people struggle from a lack of discipline as much as they struggle from a lack of vision. They don't have a clear enough picture of what they want for their life. Or they, they don't spend much time thinking about it, and so there's no reason to make a sacrifice. How many still with me say Amen. Almost done here. And so let me just say this, and maybe end with this here. There are spiritual forces at work to not allow you to step out into your gift. You hear that? Do not think the enemy is idle. That he, your grace and gift of maybe encouragement or gift of giving, that God has blessed you with income to be able to bless the house of God and missions and God's purposes. Do not think that those gifts are not a threat to the enemy. And so he would want them to lay dormant and idle or buried, buried under the ground, that coin or coins. Just, just bury that. And Satan and his demons will try everything to influence your mind to not believe, to question, to doubt that you even have a gift that can you even make an impact? He will do that. But that's why the Holy Spirit, watch this, says that we are to earnestly desire that we are to pray earnestly. Why? Because we know that these forces of darkness are fighting against us. And he's fighting against for you to first even have the desire, first, to even step out. How many with me this morning say amen? I'm almost done. And here's the thing. There are forces without, but there are forces within. You guys just think from a practical standpoint, when we talk about success and stepping out in your gift and, and allowing the Spirit of God to, to flow through you, uh, that, you know, the human brain is not programmed for success. I want you to just think about this. It's the, your human brain does not have success when it wakes up every day. 
No, the human brain is programmed to survive. That's what its, its main goal in your life is, that keep you surviving. This is dangerous. Don't touch the stove. Oh, if I leave this gas on and light a match, it could blow up. Yeah, your brain is constantly there to protect you and to keep you to survive. Survival is about conserving energy. I mean, if you were stranded at sea, or you were lost in the ocean, what happens? An instinct kicks in. An instinct kicks in. Your brain is in a life preservation mode. What is it trying to do? It's trying to conserve energy. It's like, okay, now we start burning fat. We start, you know, we, you know we, it just conserves. And you're in this preservation mode. Whatever, it'll do whatever it can to keep you safe, keep you comfortable. That's how your brain functions. So in other words, left to our, watch this, to our own design, left unchecked, we will default to take the easiest path possible. Amen. And we default to doing what is easy in the short term. I mean, if you think about it, actually what it means to be a successful person, I read this, that success is about doing. It's about expending energy. Isn't that right? It, it, it's about not being safe, but it's about taking risks. I like to say calculated risks. It's about getting outside your comfort zone. How many know if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat? Amen? That's what success is about. It's not about doing what's comfortable. It's about learning something new. It's exactly opposite of everything that the brain is designed to do, keep you safe. Stand with me if you would, please. So I just want to encourage you, if you feel these emotions about stepping out in your gift, what does that mean? That's perfectly normal. You have a perfectly healthy, functioning, normal human brain. Why? Once again, your brain is designed to keep you safe. But it's designed to keep you not doing anything, to step out. And that's why uh, you have to break out of that. And even when it comes to God's grace and gifts, what keeps you safe is saying, think about all the terrible things that could happen if I step out and allow the Holy Spirit to belt this thing. Pastor talked about spiritual gifts and all that. and <clears throat> I can't do that. It's too risky. I'm going to look like an idiot. Not going to do that. Every head bowed, if you would, this morning, please. All that says is your brain is operating in a healthy way. Success. It's not normal. It's not ordinary. It's not average. You have to literally rewire neurologically your own brain. Stepping out in faith. Stepping out in faith. Being obedient. So you know what? I'm going to allow, allow this fear to hold me back. I'm not going to bury this talent that God has given me. These graces that pastor's speaking about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the test. <laughs> I'm going to find out what are my top five strengths and areas that I believe God has graced me with. And I'm going to develop them. And I'm going to serve others. Happiness will come. It's just a byproduct. But I'm going to serve others. The love on others. I'm going to be God's hands and feet in this frightening world we live in. I'm going to be a light in this season. I'm going to serve the purposes of God in my generation. I'm going to be obedient to that. With every head bowed here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm not right with the Lord. I'm not right with Jesus. God forbid if, if I die tonight, I, 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 I don't have the assurance I'd go to heaven. In this moment, I want to pray for you. It's a simple prayer, but it's a very costly prayer. 
It's a prayer where you surrender your life to God. You invite God Almighty into your spirit, man or woman. And he says, if you ask me to come in, I'll come in and I'll reside and I'll take up residence. And if you make him Lord of your life, you will receive that seal of salvation here this morning. You can know for certain that you are born again. You hear the morning, this morning you say, Pastor, I want that. I need to get right with God. Let's pray together corporately. Say that we say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Come into my life. Save me. Jesus, I declare today that you are Lord and Savior of my life. I give you my life. Now take it. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.